Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Well, we're just excited. We're going to teach on the ministry of the prophet. I'd like to say this when I get started, though, there is a lot of material to try to teach, and I'm not going to preach myself into the floor, but I'm going to preach a little while tonight, maybe not as long as... I normally do. I don't know. I don't think so. But um, talking about the ministry that I walk in. Because, you know, if you don't know what I have, then you can't get what I got. You know, that's true of everybody. I mean, everybody's trying to sell me something or serve me something or people stick stuff in my mailbox, want to buy my house. I don't know if they listen to obituaries or what, but anyway, you know, not interested. I like my home. Thank you. I just paid it off, too. Now, let me just say a little, little marker here that would help you if you are a partner with me. You're not just sitting here tonight. But if you're a partner with me, you're partnering with the prophet. And I'm going to talk more about that Thursday night, what benefits you could expect. But one of them is, you know, you could follow suit with me to some level. What I do falls down to you. It doesn't make you a prophet. If you don't have the goods, you're not a prophet. And it doesn't matter what you call yourself, it's what God calls you. And secondly, if you don't have the fruit to prove it, you just need to be quiet. Because you confuse the people that are gullible, and that's about three quarters of the whole congregation. Okay. So I've got a lot to say. I'll try to condense it in a, in, in a timely fashion. Man, time goes quick, doesn't it? Let's turn to Romans 11. Did I ask you to turn there yet? Please turn over there. I'm starting with this verse because it's so powerful and, uh, and so rich. And then we're going to look at some scriptures that specifically deal with the ministry of the prophet. You know, the prophet is one of the fivefold ministry gifts. It's not the only one. And it's not better than any of the other four. And any of the four is not better than the prophet. Than the prophet. You know, but I've heard people say, well, there's no such things as prophet. Well, if you took us out, you've got to take the pastors out too. They're in the same sentence. All right. All right. And the teachers and the evangelists and a real apostle like Mike Rabel here. Not somebody that tells you they're an apostle. Got a card, they're apostle slash teacher slash. I mean, some lady sent us a resume on her one time. My God, I thought she was God. <laughs> Donna, you remember that? Golly. I mean, it was more lengthier than this. I thought she did everything but clean the kitchen sink. I don't know. She just so impressed with herself. But there's nothing wrong with telling people what you have in you in concerning your mantle or the components that make you up as a, as a prophet. You know, you line 20 of us prophets up, we're all going to be in the same vein as a prophet. We would have certain giftings, but we may not all operate the same way. So I'm talking about what God's called me to do and and what's in me. But I'm talking about you tonight too. What's in you as a sheep. We're, you know we are talking about ministry. A ministry gift because I'm one of the five that helped mature the body of Christ. You know it is nice to get petted on and told you're great and you're wonderful. And you're going to you know it's just you're going to go to heaven and you're going to get a new car. But it's also nice to have somebody slap you in the head once in a while and say get that out of you will you. Get out of your head and then. And pastors don't do that very often. Now, I'm just, I'm kind of elaborating it, but I'm telling you the truth. People don't, you know, and I'm not in this to correct anybody. I'm just taking care of my own backyard. 
But because I am a prophet, if I don't tell them what God tells me to say, like Jeremiah said, you, you tell them what I said to tell you, say. Yeah. I'm putting my words in your mouth and you better say that, Michael. It's making it personal. Yeah, okay. So I'm not out to get anybody. I'm out to help everybody. But I'm just saying some things that we need to think about. Nobody, there's nobody in this that's uh, really got it every bit together except Jesus that I know. And I'm not trying to pick people apart, but I'm just trying to take care of myself and what I'm called to do and do it with dignity. And I'm going to show you that's in this verse down here. Let's, Romans 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. So now notice that I magnify my office. That's important to know. You know, you should be magnifying, not necessarily the person, but you magnify the office. I mean, I saw, I, I was watching TV a while back and they had somebody there and uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe he had that place in our government. He was such a jerk. And they were interrogating him. He never answered one single question. I sat down on purpose just to listen, see if this guy's got any brains or not. And he didn't. I mean, very high, high, high leadership in America. I thought, no wonder this country's in a mess. I think he was just chicken to say what he should have said. But anyway, nonetheless, you know, you need to, what we're talking about here is whatever you're called to do, listen to me carefully, you need to magnify that in your life. He didn't, and Dr. Dufresne always said this, I don't magnify my shortcomings. All of you have them just like me. I've got little twerks, little deals. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know where I'm not perfected yet. Let me just say it that way. Weaknesses that I'm working on and I'm higher in some areas than others. And you know what I mean as far as what I deal with in my life. Hardest thing I do is do what I'm teaching. Anybody say, what's your biggest problem? That's easy, me. You're, you're not my problem. I purpose nobody's going to be my problem. Nobody. I will love you and encourage you and do my best to get you saved, delivered, and healed, but you're not my problem. My problem is with me. If I have a problem, it's with me. It always will be with you too, if you're honest. Okay. Listen here, listen. He could have said, uh, I am a prophet, but he was a prophet, but the apostle was the first listed in the listings, as always first. And uh, prophets were second. And Brother Hagin got in trouble because he turned the order of that and reversed his teaching ministry from the prophets' ministry. I just read about it for the 50th time yesterday, the day before. And God got on him and said, that's not what I told you to do. You're a prophet first and then a teacher. You're, you're using all your teaching time to preach to people and uh, you're supposed to be the prophet of the land. See, there's just so many things I'm trying to help you to see. And whatever you are, and you're not, not all of us are fivefold. It says he gave some that. Yeah. Not all, not even many. Yeah. My opinion, like <laughs> Dr. Frank was in church one time. Guy said, Pastor said, I got 2,000 prophets here. How do you know they're prophets? Because I prophesied over them. He said, you're a nut. <laughs> he said, I don't think there's that many prophets in the world. I don't know if there is or isn't. That's none of my business. But Dr. Frank's pretty sharp. And I'm in his camp company and Brother Hagin's company. I'm not interested in reading other books about the prophet from other camps because that's not going to be my camp. Doesn't make them bad, just means they're not for me. And I'm not in that group. I'm doing better than you're saying anything, but magnify your office. 
When I talk like that, I'm not, listen to me carefully, I'm not saying you have to respect me more. If you don't want to respect me, don't, but you probably won't get what some people get that do love me and respect me, but you can do whatever you please because that's between you and God, your attitude. Am I saying it right? So, but if I didn't tell you what was in my mantle, how would you know it was there? You know, Jesus did that. If it was right for him to do it, it's right for me. If it was wrong for him to lie, it's wrong for me. What did he say? The spirit of God's on me for he's anointed me. Yeah. To heal the sick and brokenhearted and on and on deliverance. I have a deliverance ministry in my mantle. A lot of people get delivered. Most of them get delivered when I lay hands on them, but I could speak to it. And I've even got help. got people delivered in other places. Pastor Dennis got a little a girl healed on the phone with some other man of God there, a priest or something was with her. And he said, put that phone up to her head or something or the mom's ear, whatever, and told him what to do. And the girl got delivered. See, he got some of that from me, not the whole thing, but he got some of that impartations. That doesn't mean the other sons don't have it. I don't know if they all do or not. I, I mean, I'm, I enjoy all of them when they preach and minister. I'm just talking here a minute. <laughs> so you got to keep things in right order, divine order. So you don't, you're not respecting like honoring just the person like our president today. I just have to pray for him. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm not going to be in strife with anybody. I'm not going to blast anybody. Uh, we just need to pray for people. <laughs> you know, I'm 70, 72 right now. I've been on this planet a long time, seen a lot of presidents come and go, and I don't remember any of them doing anything significant for me. Other than just do what they did. You know, some of them were better people, but nonetheless, I'm just talking here. Here's some other translations of this down here. I'm, I'm, I'm staying on this because this is, a, he's talking about his office of ministry. He's magnifying that. He's not magnifying his shortcomings or his issues maybe he had. You know, in the Bible, he tells on himself, he told him one time, I don't need your money, I'm taken care of. Same church, he wrote back later and said, forgive me this wrong. It had to do with money. So, you know, I don't think it was that he needed the money as much as he repented for keeping them stalled because he wouldn't receive anything for it. See, you, you shut somebody's giving down, guess what? It's not, your receiving's not coming either. Okay. <laughs> I don't care for what reason you shut it down. but So this says, one translation says, uh, I magnify my, invest with dignity. Also in this area of office, it says this also means uh, your service. It could be translated your ministry or your service. And you bring relief and serving to the body of Christ in that capacity. I know right now you probably don't think I bring relief to anybody because I'm talking pretty strong sometimes. I'm not throwing that at you as a jab. I'm just talking. You know, here's some other translations. I make much of my position. I know some people in this church and they've been faithful as far as I can tell to the church and to me for 35 years. You know, Dale and Arlene, Les and Mary, where are they at? There's Dale and Arlene, Les and Mary. They just stayed in their role. Never tried to, you know, and they've been promoted, but not in the sense of, well, now they're this or now they're that. They're, they're both elders here, kind of, like not elders in this biblical sense like I am as a scriptural, uh, spiritual elder. You follow what I'm saying? But here they're leaders in this church, and they're on the board, and, and Jordan and I both respect and trust all of them. 
And Joe, too. Joe and Les and Dale. Huh? Is that it? Yep. <laughs> and me. Okay. So, but when, I, when he took over, he said, I want to keep that board. I said, you need to. They'll help you. And they're honest men. They're loyal men. They'll be loyal to you because they love our family. That's something else you need to think about. If you love the pastor, you need to love his family. Okay. Here's another translation. I'm not going as fast as I'm trying to, but I will make much of my position. I will take pride in my work. I will honor my ministry. I will bring honor to my ministry. I am glorifying my ministry. I honor my ministry. That's pretty interesting that he said that. Now, this word magnify here, a definition from Webster's is to be held in a, a greatest esteem and uh, so forth. You respect people and you hold them in high esteem. That was getting back to the president there. But, you know, I would, if the president walked in tonight, I'd probably stop and acknowledge, here's the president. What do you need, sir? You know, regardless of my personal feelings because of this office of ministry. Uh, I'll just get on this for a minute here for the preachers particularly. Whatever office you stand in, you have whatever you need for that office or you wouldn't be in it. I mean, if you're called, I have the people I need to help me. I have the money I need to do it. Of course, it, I continue to believe God for more money because I have more expansion to do and different things. But I'm just telling you, God takes care of us. And we have in our mantle the things we need to function in what we're called to do. You know, when the president, I remember Dr. Frank told this story, President Obama, he went to the Democratic Convention. What a speaker. I heard him too in that convention, Democratic Convention. He wasn't even running for president then. Man, he could speak publicly. I mean, he, he beat most preachers out in that moment I heard him. It's his articulation of things and the way he presented what he was saying. Uh, but then he, his credit cards were maxed out. He had to share a room with the senator whose credit card was still working. His was maxed out. He couldn't put any more on it. Then he got elected to president eventually, and he's got a 747. That's one of the biggest planes in the world. He's got a White House. He's got Secret Service everywhere. Take care of him so nobody kills him. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, he's got all these benefits and still has them. If they're interviewing any of the ex-presidents, they don't say, hey, how you doing, Arnold, or somebody, you know, or Joe. They call him president. Even if they're talking to Trump. Yeah. Most of them would. Yeah. I'm just talking to you. So to magnify something is to hold something in a greater esteem. And we have to learn to begin to receive from people. Uh, and then it says not only that, but to increase in significance and intensify. You know, I, never, I don't remember anybody that ever came to me purposely to get delivered or get healed that didn't get it, that really sets their heart about it. I don't mean just frivolously, but I mean somebody thought about it and knew me or heard about me and they got in the prayer line. One young man down where Pastor Luke pastors in that city, Cookville, there's a guy had tumors all over his backside, his rear end, when he was in high school. And they filled up with pus and they broke and they stunk and he was just a high school junior and he said, I was so embarrassed, Dr. Jacobs. And, uh, and then he had to get them all surgically removed and then they came back with all their cousins. So he's covered up again, and somebody told him that I had a healing ministry. I don't know if Pastor Luke did, but because uh, he doesn't go to Luke's church. Pastor Luke, he goes to Pastor McMichael's church. And I never even knew I prayed for him until afterwards. <laughs> he, 
He just got in the prayer line and said, if you have a need, a physical need, get up here. I just thought he didn't stop and try to tell me what was going on. He, this is what he told me after the fact. He said, somebody told me you were coming and had a healing ministry, and I decided, let's go over and get in your healing line. <laughs> he said, I said to myself, this, this is a young guy. He's about 24 now, 23. He said to me, I just said, I believe when I get in Dr. Jacob's prayer line, I'm going to get healed. Then he said further to me, I didn't feel a thing. I said, well, you don't have to feel anything to receive. You're, you're, more, you're more in faith than most people to get in the healing line. If you didn't feel anything and you got it instead. He said, I woke up the next morning. He was back at the doctor prior to him to see me. And they said, we're going to have to cut him out again. And he said, the next day I woke up, they were all gone. The pus is gone. The knots are gone. I was healed. But now see, I'm not the healer, but he lives in me. And part of my mantle and my anointing and my things in my mantle is to heal the sick. So I can't get, I'm just talking about me now. I can't get too far away in teaching things that don't have anything to do with healing, deliverance, or that other world. Because that's the primary things that I deal with. If you're here as a person in this church long, you know I taught on every subject I could come up with to help you. But I don't do that anymore because I'm more focused and I'm trying to do what God told me to do. Yes. And you don't have to deal with me about laying my hands on people anymore either. I'm very apt to do that because I got in trouble because I wasn't doing that at one time. If you don't magnify your office, no one else will. How about that? How about this? If you have an office, but you don't ever have any faith in it. You just are struggling. And if somebody doesn't tell you you did a good job, you're depressed. My wife was key on that. She, would be, she was so funny. I said, well, so-and-so said I did a good job. They, she'd say, that's your son and daughter. They're not going to tell you you're lousy. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife. She was straightforward with me. And then a couple times she rebuked me and said, who else would talk to you like that? I said, you're right. Nobody but you, honey. I accept it. You're right. I'm wrong. I know you men can't believe I did that, but you'd be smart to do that in some cases if your wife's right. All right. Hallelujah. Got one hallelujah. <clears throat> you need to live responsibly with dignity and treat it with respect. You must qualify yourself even though you're called. Listen to this. Even though you're called, it says few are chosen. So even... You know, if you are called, but you don't do anything about it to set yourself apart, I put from one, two, three, and four, those are things that you'd need to put aside, whatever that was. Uh, and you don't separate yourself from the appropriate things. And it's good if you always start in the ministry of helps, like I did. I was a carpenter, and I helped at the church doing carpentry, lightweight care, carpentry work when I first got saved. Didn't know much about God, but I knew how to drive a nail. And... Um, also, if you don't, if you won't serve, you don't qualify for this. The, it's not about like, well, how would I say this? This isn't, this isn't Hollywood. This is ministry. I try to dress up because I want to look appropriate. Now, if I'm at a youth meeting in the youth camp, I'd probably wear my blue jeans and a shirt, whatever. But I'm just talking to you here. I'm honoring the office. And if you don't qualify with God, I'm going to tell you the answer to that. No one can launch you. You know, a lot of people have a, they have a lust to have this pulpit. 
They may not even be called. I think most of them aren't that want this. But, but they don't have any background to them. They don't have any, uh, they just want to be a, they think this is being a big shot. This is not being a big shot. This is being an honest person and trying to walk holy with my God and humbly with him to tell you what we need to think about. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's fivefold or just a regular sheep. We all have responsibilities. And God's not doing nothing without his body. So you're in there somewhere. I mean, guys are up here mowing the grass periodically. I saw them, not right now, but recently I did back when it was growing pretty good. So you need to figure out where you fit. And, some, and sometimes it's a ministry of help. That's still a ministry, but it's a ministry of helps. I know Sean helps me. He's got 17 hats he wears, it seems like. But, uh, you know, a lot of the preachers, some of them do Zoom meetings with me. And I even did one, I think, before Diana went in the hospital the first time. And uh, he has to set all that up because I don't know how to do it. And then out of respect for me, he said, I'm going to go out in the other room, doctor. If you need me, just come get me and I'll come back and get you back online if something happens. See, if I didn't have him or somebody knew how to do that, I couldn't get on Zoom for anything. No, I, I'm just sitting being serious. Technology is not my forte. I like using the good parts of it, but... I'm just saying it's just complicated. And if, you, if you're not careful, that technology will swallow you up. Okay, let me see here where I need to get going here a little bit. Let's, let's move on here. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah. I wanted to start by sharing that with you. You need to magnify, you know, whatever you have in you. And let me say this too, along with that, since I've said, oh, go to Jeremiah 1. You're not bragging when you talk about somebody. I have anointing for that. I have anointing for bones. That's one of the areas that I have an anointing in me for my healing mantle. I have anointing to work in miracles now. And I operate in gifts of healings to some level, but really the healing anointing is much bigger than that. So, I mean, I may have that was wound into that. It might, I don't know how to explain it. It might come that it comes at that moment, but my healing anointing would take care of that and a lot of other things. So I try to focus on that in my life and not let it get far away from me because I have responsibility. Yes, yes. You know, I, I don't, I'm trying to say this as sweet as I can. If you have something in you that God put in you, you have responsibility for that. It's not just you're going to play around and go, be a famous person. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You might not even make it the first two or three years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dr. Eddie King, he's a friend of mine in Knoxville. He, he was with us many years ago. It's probably 15 or 20 now. But he said one time from the pulpit and told me personally, 35 preachers a week quit in North America alone, just the United States. Because they're just not going to take it. They're just, they, could, they thought it was something different than it, it really is. I could tell about a person I knew quite well, and they went to pastor, and then they act like they knew everything. And about two years later, they, he came, came back and said, you know, I realize there's a lot more to this than I thought. But I couldn't tell him that because he didn't listen. He didn't ever ask. Go ahead, run your head into the wall. You're going to come back with bumps all over it, I know. I'm not being mean, but you know, this is not an ego trip. Right. Okay, I've said all that now. I'm ready. Okay. I don't know where this is coming from. I thank from God to help you. But if you're called to an office, just always remember, God's got what it takes for you to run that if you'll yield to it. And you have to be responsible for that. I thank brother. I don't know if I kept that in my notes. I may have here. Dr. Summerall said something. I don't know if that's it or not. 
Dr. Summerall said, if you're going to take the opportunity for something, you're going to have to take the challenges too. There's no ministry that doesn't have challenges. Get that out of your head. Somebody told you that was lying. I know a pastor, another pastor friend, his name's Phil Privet, and he said, Lord, I quit. He said, I've had it, I quit. He said, that's okay, just show up Monday for work. <laughs> so he showed up Monday for work. You know, preachers have to deal with a lot of things. First of all, they've got to deal with all you. Sometimes, you know, you've got issues that we're trying to help you with. I'm not making fun of that. We all have had to grow. All right, now this is... This was the first scripture in my life that I really felt like God was calling me to the ministry. However, I didn't see it from the fullness of what it meant that God was trying to get over to me then. And that was in 1975. I went in the bedroom. My wife and I lived on a farm. She was doing something in the kitchen. I was in there by, I mean, I was in the bedroom by myself. And the Lord said to me, I want you to turn to the book of Jeremiah. Now, you know, I hate to say this, but I was so ignorant back then. I wasn't sure there was a book of Jeremiah other than the Lord said it. It must be in here. So I found it out and went to it. And he said, I want you to read verses 4 through 12. Well, I read it, but the only thing I got out of it that time, because I felt so insecure. Are you listening to me? Because I, let me read uh, let me just start in verse 4 and read it, and then I'll come back and touch on a couple of things. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, that Therefore, or before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. Now see, right there is a case against abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't say before you were born. said before, before you were in the belly. Yeah. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, or set you apart, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Now I realize I've qualified for that as I've gotten older and went on all those mission trips and still got others to do. I mean, I'm only 72. I feel like I'm really just getting started. Verse 7 says, but the Lord's, oh, verse 6, then he said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. That's the way I felt when I read that that day. I had four seventh grade boys in my class at church and they, and, and they almost intimidated me a little, not really, but you know, to be a teacher teaching people something from the Bible when I was just barely saved for a year or two. It was a big challenge to me right then. Doesn't sound like much now, but back then it was a big challenge. You know, you just need to start where you start and be humble and be thankful you're doing something for God. Amen. I never thought I'd be a preacher. In fact, when he called me, I mean, I argued with him almost the whole time I prayed for a year and a half about it. You got the wrong guy. I'm not, that's not me. No, that's you. No, I don't think it's me. He would, he would just say that once or twice, and if he felt I was going to argue with him, he'd just shut off. He wouldn't say nothing. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. See, that's immaturity talking. See, don't say you're a child, you're immature, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And this is what I just told you publicly a minute ago. Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. You tell people what I tell you to speak about. I mean, I had a set of tapes on the prophet's ministry, and I listened to it myself. I go, man, that is pathetic. By the way, Jenny, get that old set and erase all that. Throw that away on the prophet. We'll go with this. It's the way to get things done, isn't it? <laughs> what, is it what did Paul say? I forget my past and move ahead to the foot. Well, that's what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. That's what I was saying. I was afraid. Stand up and try to speak. Then the Lord put his forth his hand, touched my mouth. Oh, thank God. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. 
See, I have set thee over the nations and over the kingdom to root out. So part of the ministry of the prophets is to root things out of people. Now that can come through teaching, like I'm teaching you tonight. If you've maybe been cloudy about the prophet's ministry. I mean, I've talked to you a little bit about it in just being up here to preach for the last five years, but, and probably taught it in Bible school, but still looking back, I'm sure it wasn't very depth compared to what I know now, compared to what I'm walking in now. I, he said, I, I give you to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. So there's two sides to the prophet. He's able to root things out of you get things out of you, destroy things out of your life if you listen to him. And then he's able to build you up and to plant you correctly with new truth and new revelation, building on the foundation that you already have. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see the rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Or he said, another trans, I will look after my word to perform it. So God's always performing his word. And we're talking tonight about the prophet. So God will confirm what I'm sharing with you eventually as we get into this further tonight. You with me? All right, let's go over to Ephesians now. We'll come back to Jeremiah tomorrow night. Uh, I want to go to Ephesians with me, chapter 4. We're talking about the ministry of the prophet. I, when talking about him, I'm not trying to elevate him. I'm just trying to elevate what you know about him. And then I'll be talking to you these three nights a little bit about what's in my mantle. <laughs> yeah, just, just really excited about teaching this too to you. And uh, I've got some other notes here. Not, I guess I may go a little different direction as I get into this. But um, Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 8. And this is talking, verse 7, let's start there. But unto every one of us, that's not just the fivefold, but every one of us in the body of Christ is given grace, or I would call it anointing, or I would call it the substance according to the measure of the gift of Christ, according to the measure that God distributed to you, that anointing, he gives you grace to do. That's why I said, I just, I wasn't keeping around with you that I don't have the grace to pastor anymore. It's not that I don't like people. I'm just not called to do that. So I'm going down a different trail. It's awkward and it's frustrating. So I'm not pastoring. Yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yes. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of people pastoring that aren't pastors. They're just good businessmen. They know how to talk a good talk and gather the leaders up and people got money around them. And they think they're really hot stuff. Just telling you what I know. I'm not making it up. A lot of churches, bless their heart, they don't even have a pastor. They just got a businessman that's pretty sharp and got them all hoodwinked. But you can't stand in any of these offices. I mean, any. you can't even be a good ministry of help person if you're not in Christ and not hungry to grow. I wouldn't want you in this church if you felt like that. You just showed up and then you just go home. You don't do anything to help us. You don't give anything. You don't do anything at the church to help us. It's just you don't even pray for us. What kind of deal is that? <laughs> I know that doesn't pertain to any of you. You're all great. You're wonderful. And you're getting a new Cadillac when you leave tonight. Hey! Okay. All right. So every person has a level of grace, or I'm saying anointing too, could fit there, according to the measure that he measured out to you. And some people have different measures. You know, some people, some people have a measure to have a church of 50 
And baby, that's all they're ever going to have is a church of 50. It's not a put down. It's, listen to me. It's what God gave the grace for. So if a person that was graced to have a church of 50 and had 500, I'd say they're going to go to the grave pretty soon. They're going to be able to have it, uh, you know, 10 times what God gave you. I'm just barely handling what God gave me. I don't want to add anything else to this. I'm just talking to you. Realize, realize I'm making some sense. Do what you're told to do by God, but find your place and fulfill it with integrity and realize you're going to, you know, appreciate what God is doing in you. That you're a part of a body that loves you. And I love you. Maybe it don't sound like it, but I really do. I really do. My wife always said this to me too. I, I don't think people realize how much you love them, Michael, because you're kind of abrupt in public. I said, well, I wasn't trying to be abrupt. Believe me, I could have been abrupt. <laughs> One time somebody said, I think you told us everything you had to say. I said, you don't know me very well. <laughs> you better not be thinking like that. You are totally wrong. Okay, thank you. Verse 8, we're looking at verse 8 now. So, but I wanted to say you have grace for something. And it's not insignificant because it's the grace of God on your life to do something. <laughs> I can't tell you how much appreciation I've had over the years. People like Liz and Joe. I don't know what their ages is. I'm not going to ask her. Joe's not here. He'd probably tell me. He's 50, right? About 50. Up a little more. But they, they, they were here how many years now? 25 years maybe? I just guess. See, I'm pretty good. Anyway, Joe and her went back in the preschool department. And, you know, I've had people that volunteered for that. And I said in my office to them back when I was pastoring, are you sure you want to do that? Are really sure? Yeah, I'm positive, uh, doctor or pastor, whatever they call me. And a month later, they were knocking on the door, get me out of there. <laughs> they couldn't handle it. That's the way a lot of people shoot their mouth off and then they have to go, go back it up. But I was going to say about Joan and Liz, they were back here in the preschool department for, I don't know, 15 years maybe. Something about that, 14, 15, something. And they were always happy about it. And the kids were happy they were in there with them. Right, lift your hand, Liz, so they know who I'm talking about. Her husband's not here for some reason, probably working. But anyway, see, they loved that department and they put their heart into that department. And the kids recognized that. <laughs> yeah. And Liz has done a lot of things. In fact, I heard, that, I heard that you and somebody helped decorate back there. Miss Olivia and Miss Jenny, they're both on staff with us. See, they're doing that in addition to this, and Liz did that. Liz has helped me at my home. She's a wonderful interior decorator, by the way, if you need a good one. That's all free, Liz. I better get back on my business here. Verse 8, Wherefore he saith, when he uh, ascended up on high... This is Jesus. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. It really should be translated. He gave gifts unto people. He wasn't just male. The word there is anthropos for anthropology, which is the study of man, I think. And so it said, now that he has ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. That's when he went to hell. That's what it's referring to. He that descendeth is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens. And I was reading this the other day, excuse me, and I realized that's in the plural, and I always teach that there's more than one heaven, that he might fill all things, and he gave some apostles, now this, look at this, some, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These are the five basic five ministry gifts. Some people call them different, but these are the names of the five ministry gifts. 
And then it says for the, this is a better translation, perfecting is not a good word there. It's okay, but the real word means maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry that they could do. I'm adding that in for your thinking. For the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. I mean, what, you know, we need people to help us just to get everything right. You know, if a new person comes in our church and goes in the bathroom and it smells terrible every time they're here, they won't come back. If they go to the nursery and there's dirty diapers on the floor and there's stuff sticking on the wall or whatever, you know, I'm just talking realistically. Somebody's got to clean all that. And they do here. And they, most of those people volunteer to do that for us or do the floors or do the restrooms or whatever. I'm just talking. But the word, reason where the five of us are together is to mature the body of Christ. So you get things from me you maybe not get from the other four. And you get things from Jordan that you don't get from me now, typically, because he's a pastor. He has a different grace on him than I do. Yep. Or these other pastors. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? All right. And then it says, until we come, verse 13, unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, a mature man, that reads in the Greek, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. So there is a thing of being in Christ, but there is also a thing of getting into the fullness of what you're called to do. I know it takes some time to do that sometimes too. So um, anyway, as we learn, we grow, we expand. And so that's important. Now, the, the, the prophet here is listed second. And so he's important, or she, it could be a lady, a prophetess. But you'd have to have the right gifting in that. And I, did, I didn't bring all those notes. Well, I did. Oh, that's the wrong one. But anyway, Brother Hagen, who I respect greatly, he said a prophet has to have two out of the three revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirit. That's the three. I have two of those two, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirit. Uh, and then uh, you have to have prophecy. And I've had that in my life for many, many years. Way back. I mean, Jessica was just about one years old. Me and Diana, my wife, we went to Brother Dr. Summerall's church for his camp meeting. We had her in a little thing. We carried her with us, a little basket thing, you know. And he got up and he said, who's the pastors here? Stand up wherever you're at in the auditorium. I was way back over there. I must have been 20 rows back in his church. He said, stand up. He said, all of you that are pastors, you need to have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Lift your hands. I lifted my hands. And he just went like this, take it. And I said, I got it. And from that day forth, I was able to interpret tongues. If they were tongues given by the Spirit. You know, a lot of people speak in tongues and it's not really the gift doing that. They're just wanting to show out or something. You know, then that's not true. I can't interpret gibberish. Or you could speak in tongues, but I can't interpret all those. But if you were speaking in a purposeful way, either to an individual, which is a different route than just generically, in the laity or the body, right. you know, I could interpret that. And I did that with Diana a lot. And of course, we operated in it more personally to people. We did that publicly to you too a lot of times. Yes. Yes, we got a lot of prophecies. I've read some of them recently that her and I did together. She would speak in tongues and I would interpret. Yes. And uh, anyway, just talking to you. So I, according to Brother Hagen, I qualified. And I had those gifts in me for a long time, but it took Dr. Dufresne to get into my life to really bring out that I was really called to be a prophet. Let's go back to Matthew 10 here a minute. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know. I've been preaching 40 minutes already. It just seems like I just opened my Bible. 
Matthew 10 and uh, verses 40 through 42, if you would with me. Um, Dr. Dufresne ministered on this, I think, for 10 years. Not every time he got up, but a lot he did. He talked about this. And I got to read it because he was reading it. I read it with him, you know, looking at it. And then I would get home. I'd study it again. And God began to show me some things. But let me read it first. Verse 40, Matthew 10, 40 through 42. He that receives you receives me. So right there, that ought to tell you a great deal about how people perceive you. If people would receive you as a man or woman of God, not fivefold ministry, just a believer, you could get people healed. Yeah, and you could lay your hands on them. You may not have the same kind of anointing I have with the healing endowment and anointing on my hands to minister to people. Like, but you could still lay hands on them and they could recover. But if people have got to receive you as such. <laughs> yeah. I remember Tawana Phelps, she was in our church. She had a real bad situation in the hospital. don't remember what it was, but they told me she was going to be dead in a day or two. And I drove over there. I think it was, uh, I don't remember the name of the hospital out there by the zoo in Louisville and parked and went up and checked with the nurse at the nurse's station. They said, yeah, yeah, she doesn't have a lot of time left. You might hurry on in there. And I went in there and, and I was leaning over her bed and I laid hands on her and prayed for her and all that machinery started acting up. She was attached to, and the nurse ran in and said, well, you know, something's changed here. Huh. Well, she's still alive today, as far as I know. Does anybody know she's still alive, Tawana Phelps? Anybody know her? She used to go to this church. But she told me later, she said, when you laid over my bed like that, kind of like you, Brandon, that time I went and prayed for you, that angel came in with me. <laughs> he was a bit taller than me, and a big light shone over me. He said, who's that with you? And I said, well, it must be an angel. I didn't sense, sense him right then. But she saw him, and we ministered to her, and she lived. But he that receives you receives me, Jesus said. See, she received me as a gift from Jesus, and I was her pastor at that time. And he that receives me receiveth him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. It's interesting he used the prophet here. He could have used the others, but he used the prophet. He says, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. I'll just give you a little inkling on this. I may talk about it Thursday. Prophet's reward is your heart's desire. If you're connected to me and you had a prayer request and you believe for it, you could get your heart's desire because you've helped me. We know that from the Old Testament. Second Kings chapter 4. You could read it later. I may read it on Thursday. I don't want to get off my subject right now. I'm going somewhere with this, though, to tell you something. And he that receives a righteous man... In the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So there's a reward for being righteous and somebody receiving you just as a righteous person. I received less frock as a person like that. I received Del Tillett. I'm just talking about men. There's ladies too. I received that from Donna. How long have you been with me, Donna? 31 years. Never had one ounce of trouble. On any situation. That's amazing. And my staff all has been with me 20 or more years. I think where are you at, Sean? You've been with me 20, haven't you? 22. And, and they just help and they just jump in. And I mean, I'm just, and back to my situation at home, they have really helped me. Oh, my goodness. So let's go on. Whoever will give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple 
Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise have his reward. When I was reading this, I don't know, it seemed like the thousands of time. And I looked at it and the Lord said, do you ever think thought about that? It's, just, it's, three, it's, uh, it's three different people perceiving the same person on a different level. I said, huh. Yeah, and that just struck me in my spirit. In other words, if you knew somebody was a preacher and you downgraded him to just a righteous man, then that's all you can get out of him because of your perception, listen to me, and your honor towards him. You can't get him as a pastor if you don't receive him as a pastor. And I know this is touchy with people. You know, let me tell you, I never high-fived Dr. Dufresne for any reason. I never called him Ed. I never brought my phone to lunch with him, ever. I'm not that crazy. I don't know what's wrong with people. They get their phone, they go to lunch with me, and they get up five times and they answer calls. And I, when they finally got done, I said, did you bring me to lunch or just do your work? I thought you wanted to talk to me. Evidently, you don't. So don't ask me out again. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Somebody took me to lunch and wanted to talk to me about what sales product they purchased. And they want me to get a PowerPoint and put it up. And I said, listen, take, I took up my fork down. You get, you get, go pay the bill or I will. I'm getting in your car. You come with me. And I want you to take me right back to church. And on the way back, I said, don't you ever do that to me or any of my people. Amen. What is wrong with you? Right. Now, if my wife was here, she'd say temper it a little bit. But anyway. <laughs> and they're gone. Well, I don't want, I don't need people in here and others that put their sales product on all the chairs in my church. I found it and I found her and I said, don't ever do this again without permission. We're not trying to sell your stuff here. You came here because you love God and you thought I was your pastor. I thought that's why you came. <laughs> Evidently you're playing a game. Do you really say that? Yeah, I really said that. <laughs> it's too bad. Most, most preachers don't ever say anything like that. We're not trying to be mean to people, but trying to jar that carnality out of them. Golly. I just gave you a good recommendation over here for an interior decorator, so don't get so down on me. But if you don't qualify for that, I couldn't have given it. So what I'm saying to you in this, this thing, the person could have been a prophet, but you downgraded him to a righteous, or it could have been a, a pastor or some other minister in fivefold level, or then you just get bob, bobbed him on down to a disciple. Hey, brother, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, people don't normally call me Mike in the church and the church activity. And if they did, I would say, no, I'm Dr. Jacobs, or you can call me dad, but you don't call me by my first name right. if you're in this church. I mean, people called from, that knew me from a long time to Donna. Is Mike there? She said, you mean Dr. Jacobs? Well, I didn't know he's a doctor, but yeah, he's Mike, isn't he? She said, we never call him Mike. What is it you want? She wrote it down and told me. I don't remember the end of that story. and don't need to tell it now, Donna, so just keep it. <laughs> Same person perceived at three different levels. You get three different results. All right. Let's, let's go over here. Let me see here what I want to say about this. I got a lot of good notes here. This is on Matthew 10 here. How you perceive is how you receive. How you perceive is how you receive. The, and a lot of times, Dr. Dufresne, he was ahead of me spiritually. I mean, when I first met him, he, he was already a prophet, been a prophet for years, and I respected him. I, I never was a buddy. to. I never tried to be a buddy or... 
kid around. Now, he carried around with me because I'm kind of serious. <laughs> and he would try to get me be goofy for a minute with him. Are you listening? How you perceive is how you receive. The prophet's reward is, it, is your heart's desire. You've perceived right and you will not lose your reward. Your level of perception and honor equals how you're rewarded. You don't need five people. You just need the right person. Speaking of spiritual fathers, I, this is, these are Pastor Parker's notes he took while I was preaching somewhere. He does such a great job. I asked him to make me copies because I preached it, but he took better notes than I was saying. <laughs> you know, you can't force people to receive. My whole ministry I've had, especially with the ladies, a lady would bring another lady up and they'd be holding hands. Hey, she needs this. I said, well, I wasn't talking to you. They butt in on it like they're in charge. You're not in charge. Stop that. Turn loose of her hand when I pray for her to go right into you and knock you over. That happened at a hospital one time. All these people got hands I didn't tell them to and I touched the lady in the bed and they all fell down. The other lady was already laying down in the bed. I said, don't do stuff like that. They, they didn't perceive any anointing tangibility to anything. Uh, I know it seems uh, funny me talking like that, but it's just the truth. A lack of respect will shut down the anointing. Now, this is a true story, and this is, I was in Mexico City. I don't know if you were with me at the preschool place. Were you, did anybody in this ever go when I went to the, was you, Sean was there. Thank you, Sean. And a guy rented a preschool auditorium. They had a ball pit. They had Minnie and Mickey hanging from the ceiling. And we had an earthquake that night, and they were all swinging all this. <laughs> True story. But I had a word of knowledge about cancer. And there must have been eight or ten people come up. And I started down here on my left, and I got to about the third or fourth person, and all of a sudden, I didn't have anything. What do you mean? Well, that anointing flew away. And I'm trying to figure out what happened. Nobody's playing music. It's not the musician's fault. And I look around. There's some people back over here. They're in a the cabinet. They've jerked out uh, Oreo cookies and Pepsis. <laughs> What'd you do? I said, hey, you stop that. Put that up. Go sit in your car. I don't want you in my meeting. How would you dare? Do what if this was your mother, your sister, or your wife? or your brother, or your uncle, or your grandpa, yeah. and they all got cancer, and you're back there like you're on a picnic. What's wrong with you? Put that up. Right. Just about that loud, didn't I, Sean? Yes, yeah, do you really do? I really did that. Yes, How would you feel if you were in the line? And then, I, then by this issue, I'm going to tell you what exactly. They put it all back. They were looking at me like, we've got to put that up quick. <laughs> I just said, go sit in the car if you're going to be like that. And the anointing came right back on me and I was able to minister to the rest of the group. See, when you do things improperly because you have no respect for the anointing, even if you didn't have respect for me, you'd have respect for the people that needed help that were there to get something. And you're eating Oreos, drinking Pepsis, talking about the ball game or something. I don't know what they're doing. They're not in my meeting, really. But a lack of respect will stop. In fact, that's the first meeting where Pastor Myrna met me she had a kidney problem and got healed in that meeting of a kidney. Something, I don't know what was wrong with her. You'd have to, but you know, she's had worse than that since then, but she's done well. She's doing well. 
All right. Praise the Lord. I got to stop. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm just trying to help everybody I can. Yeah, let me, let me read this before I minister. This will help us out of the stuff that I bring with me that it has to do with my ministry. Um, this was, uh, this was, Dennis, you were with me that meeting in Kuwait. I went with dad, Dennis and I went with Dr. Dufresne to Kuwait and some other people. And, and so he ministered to me that night. First of all, we were at the hotel. Let me talk about integrity and stuff and learning to honor people. We're all down the hotel at the lobby and they rented a bus, a bus to take them downtown to go shopping in Kuwait. And, uh, dad was standing there, Dr. Dufresne, Dennis was there. There was 10 or 15 of us on that trip. And so they started going through the door to load up to, on that bus. Dennis said, are you going to go? I said, I'm going to watch what doctor does. <laughs> if he stays, I'm staying. And he waved at him. And I, I thought, praise God. If, if, unless he just says, I'm going to go to my room. Until so they drove away, you know, and we're all waving. And I said to dad, I said, hey, how about you? I can get you a cup of coffee, dad. You can sit over here on the couch, me and you and Dennis, maybe. And he spent almost two hours with us that morning. And we got to asking questions about the, and I wasn't trying to manipulate him, but I was out of respect because I'd really rather be with him than go shopping. Yeah. Even Nordstrom's. Yeah. But they fell from their place in my mind. But anyway, I won't go there with you. But anyway, he said, he, before they left, he said, now we're going to have a, a men's meeting tonight at the tent. The tent seated 400 people. They had Persian rugs like we got regular old carpet. You know, carpet is nice, but it's like a Persian rug you put in your living room. But the whole tent in sand had, was covered with these Persian rugs. They had some kind of air conditioner system out there on the desert. We were only several miles from Iraq when that, when that war was going on over there. But uh, he said, I want you, Dr. Jacobs, take the first 30 minutes. And I said, what do you want me to teach on? Anything particular? Yeah, to faith. I said, okay. And then give it to me. So I went ahead and taught. But see, I wasn't as skillful and I'm trying to cut this down a little bit because of time, but I, I ran out my time limit and then I'm done. So I got a handheld mic and I go like this to him and he goes, well, don't you got something? Kind of, kind of screamed at me a little bit. <laughs> See, if you, if you're all funny about yourself, you'll be offended by that. But I, I said, when I first met him, I'm never going to let him offend That's me. Right. I made my mind up. I shook his hand one time on this issue here. I said, I won't run away from you. I won't grab my blanket and my pacifier every time you correct me. Right. And, and I never had to say it again. For 20 years, I did that. Yeah. And he knew that. Yeah. But anyway, he, he said, don't you got something? <laughs> I said, yeah. Well, then obey God. You know, he's kind of just... <laughs> a little bit of Doc Sumrall came out at him, I think. So I gave that word of knowledge and several people came. I think it was for their backs or bones. I don't remember. And then all of a sudden I'm standing there and he, he's real close to me. I didn't know he was there. I turned around, he hit me in the head and down I went. I'm laying on this Persian ca carpet in a tent in Kuwait. And all of a sudden dad says to me, as you've walked in the footsteps of the prophet and pointed to himself, you begin to make your own footsteps as a prophet. See, now that, when I read that, that was in 204. It seems like I was so slow in getting to where I'm at today. I'm thinking, you know, so don't down yourself if it takes you time to get somewhere. It does take time to get somewhere where you need to be. 
And then he says, the healing anointing that has come and gone in your life, you went in and out of it has come to abide. That is when the anointing's on me like it's on me now. Amen. So what I would like you to do is stand up with me. And if the ushers will take care of the pulpit there. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.